0: is back. Let's reveal our Game one teams. Welcome back, listeners, to the 138th episode of the FPL Surgery, recording on the 5th of August 2019. Only four days away from Friday's FPL deadline for the opening fixture of Liverpool versus Norwich at 8 p.m. So the official FPL deadline is actually 7 p.m. British Standard Time. So make sure that you've got your teams ready. On this episode, we will be going through our drafts of both myself and high-ranking manager Stefan Horbsrad. We will go over our strategies, players we are picking, who we are benching, what transfers we are considering for the future game weeks, and our captaincy options for the first few game weeks. Stefan has finished within the top 3K over the last two years, 2.5K the year before last and 1.7K last year, and I have finished within the top 10K over the last three seasons, progressing from 8K to 3.5K to 2K last season. Stefan, are you ready for this? I'm as ready as Chris Kamara, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, brilliant. Uh, as you may have noticed listeners we are trying out a new bit of recording software so we've got a few gadgets to use and a uh, little sound bites which just makes it a little bit more interesting hopefully the sound quality will be a little bit better um so yeah just going to cover some housekeeping and talk about our patreon briefly this year we're looking at introducing new features for our patreon subscribers access on patreon consists of monthly prizes and if you come in at the slack level you will be given access to stefan's Season team planner. So that will help you set up for game one and throughout the season with everything you require for planning and anything to do with FPL. You've got all the fixtures in there. Also, have access to the prize leagues and prize draw with our beautiful shirts, which TC has recently modelled for us, coasters, stress balls, and mugs. And at some point during the season, we're actually going to give away some match tickets or the equivalent to if you live abroad and aren't able to get to a game. The high tiers of the Patreon grants you access to the Slack level, and this consists of all our guests we've had on the podcast and the, the rest of our awesome patrons. So we've got some new patrons. FPL General, he has come in at the private league level where he can win monthly prizes consisting of the merchandise. We also have a load of new patrons, Matt Denton, Craig Bleakley, Jonathan Erez, Andre Bergstrom. He's a long-term pleasure who's edited his pledge to the Slack level. So thank you, Andre. And uh, Andre Far- Farouk, is that how you say it, Stefan? Farouk. Farouk. Farouk okay, and, yeah, and Martin Doherty. Uh, so they've all joined at the Slack level, so they'll have access to Stefan's Season Planner, which I have loved recently. So thank you, Stefan. And uh, thank you to all of our patrons which have joined with us. We really appreciate them. Uh, this year at the prize level, as mentioned, we are giving away the match tickets at some point. We'll try and get hold of them. So something a little bit more exciting for the season for our patrons. I also asked uh, all of our new patrons over the summer how they were finding it in the slack channel and alan duffin who has joined recently said in a few words iceman the slack channel is awesome i don't personally listen to many pods outside of the fpl surgery so the interaction on the slack channel and the seasoned campaigners and a real nice bunch of members is fantastic some great advice and so many ideas floating around and it's a great laugh so thank you for that alan Uh, so if you want to help support the fpl surgery please go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. All support is greatly appreciated and it just helps the pod keep going. Right, to sum up this episode, as I mentioned, this episode we're going to be going through the game week one teams of both myself and Stefan. We will go over our strategies, players, who we're picking and who we're benching and what transfers we're considering, etc. And the captaincy options for game week one. So gonna firstly start with our strategy. So I'm gonna to come to you, Stefan, first because I've been talking for ages. What is your approach and what is your strategy? What are your thoughts on how to set up your Game Week One team? What you're focusing on?
1: Yeah, I um first of all, I think FBL isn't won in the early weeks or the game weeks, but I think it can be lost, which I experienced last season. I I didn't lose it, but I fell quite uh behind lots of players early on. Yeah, and it's that old tr- cliche, isn't it? Yeah, so I I try to avoid it that this year. And uh in that I try to stay away from punts for most. And I don't want to ignore the highly owned players on, on the Twitter template or the podcast template or what you call it. Um, I don't care that much about the highest ownership guys. Uh, like Thumbi Saka, because he gets his United fan base behind him, so he will have, <laughs> have a high ownership. But yeah. you sort of get a feel over which players you want and which players everyone else has, and you better have a good reason for going completely rogue from that, I think.
0: Yeah, we as uh, Twitter users, and we are in the FPL community, we kind of get to see quite a few teams, you kind of get to learn what's going around. You don't necessarily take it as, oh, I'm just going to copy that team. You do take it on board and you think, well, Fraser's owned by a few, maybe I'll have him or why has everyone got Fraser? And, you know, you kind of look into it yourself as well. So it does help knowing what other people are doing.
1: Yeah. And I also uh, was very much influenced by Peter Blake's, uh, what you call it, thesis that you put out this summer, yeah. uh, analyzing the five seasons of data.
0: Yeah, it was quite a and, read.
1: Uh, it backed up the put money in defense and midfield strategy, and uh, I, I tried to do that as much as I can
0: well that, that's what people seem to be doing don't they and it's it's due to probably said that on the last podcast in fact um, with Peter Blake who was on so go back and listen to that if you, if you haven't Yeah, the likes of Robertson and Trent Alexander-Arnold Luca Dean, you know, they're all players which more or less play in midfield so you kind of feel like they should be in your team because you're just going to get the value out of them in terms of assists and attacking points as well as those clean sheets which you can gain from them
1: Yeah, and I think it's a good article to go back to because right around now, before the deadline, there is a big hype. Oh, everyone wants to get the offense atta- attacking players and everyone, oh, maybe I should go three at the back after all because they're worries about Zinchenko and worries about uh, maybe a guy like Coleman because of everything, maybe buying some new players. And I see lots of people talking themselves out of the heavy at the back.
0: Yeah. That's, that's- uh,
1: so it's, it's, it's again interesting to go back to the basics of Peter Blake's article and maybe don't get too hyped
0: up. Yeah. Because there's a reason why people are looking at this isn't it like you know as mentioned peter blake mentioned on the last podcast as well yeah, yeah it's football's changing and all these uh, attacking fullbacks they're, they're worth having in your team okay so shall we um talk about the formations and structure how we're going to base our teams yeah.
1: so based on the the last thing i said i i would really like to go and either a five-four-one or a 4-5-1 And how about you?
0: I'm set on the four at the back at the moment. I do think that the the four million option, you've got to hope that there is a four million option. Obviously, we've got Lundström and the likes of Kelly. At the moment, I'm on Lundström. Spoiler alert for that one coming up for our teams. But yeah, if I was going for anything, I think it would be four or three. I don't think I like the five though.
1: No, the thing about the five is you could do a five, three, two, for example. But my main issue is all this with all this formation and stuff is I can't seem to find any viable strikers that are cheap and can be a bench option. Yeah. If if I go a 5-4-1 or a 4-5-1, I end up with one basically one striker that's guaranteed game time. And if he's injured or if he's out, I sit there starting Connor Wickham or Greenwood and they won't start.
0: Yeah. I mean we so, we had the question uh, from Mark on Twitter. Uh, does going big at the back make your team too inflexible, which, yeah, if you go five at the back, like you say, if you've got those two strikers up top and they're not starting each week, then you're kind of stuck with them in some way. If you're wanting to make other changes in your team, it's not as easy to move them out. Wickham was the closest that we so, could get to a, to a starting, but yeah, we'll, we'll come into that later.
1: He, he won't start either, mm. so… So so that's my problem with uh, pretty much every formation that leaves me with one striker because uh, and that is a 5-4-1 or a 5-3-2 because in the 5-3-2 you only get three midfield spots. You would like a lot of midfield spots really. It's where the value are and if you're going both Salah and Sterling you basically have one spot left for every other player in the game and that that's just not enough. Yeah,
0: I, I, there was a good point made on a podcast uh FPL Bet, I think it is, a new pod this year. Price structure is really important and it's always something that I've tried to keep to in terms of my team. And he said that you have 34 free transfers a season. So that's 5.3 times you can change your whole team throughout the season if you are using all your chips like your free hit and your wild cards, et cetera. So it's best to set up with the players you can think of in price areas and be flexible so that you can jump onto the relevant players quickly. So looking at my team, at the moment. I'm set up with the the goalkeeper option of 4.5 and and a 4. Then I've got the price values of 7, 7, 6 and a 5.5 in defence with a 4 million. And then it moves on to 7.5. Then you've got Salah, of course, at 12.5. Sterling at 12. You've got the 6.5 option as well. In those price brackets in terms of 7.5, it's a good price to move up or down. And then at that 6.5, if someone's you know doing really well you want to jump on as soon as possible and it's kind of the same up front i've got eight million price and a 6.5 million price and then a 4.5 so i do think it's good to make sure that you you are flexible in moving off of these players to move to others and know what you can get just knowing that you've worked out all your options to get certain players by certain price points
1: yeah. And I think, uh, that's, uh, what I spent, uh, qu- quite some time, f- uh, time on in the planner, the season planner is figuring out, okay, come game week three, is Kane going to be a must yeah. have? If there's some case he's going to be a must have, how do I do it? And if any plan involves a hit in any way, I won't, I, f- I have a bad stru- structure. So I need to improve it. So the same goes, uh, De Bruyne can become an invaluable option come game week three. Kane, Bam Young, not for game three, but maybe later on. So you, you need to be able to shift money around with two transfers and get to pretty much yeah, everyone. That's
0: that's how I'm kind of yeah. structuring mine as I exactly.
1: Yeah. So I'm on the four four two and I think I will stay on the four four two pretty much in any yeah, case. And
0: as we've established pre pod, we're both on the same formation. And it's yeah. not necessarily because we've been debating it together it's just kind of what we've both ended up on really isn't it i mean i'm yeah. mainly a stats man i do do a shot volume and expected goals etc and how well the teams and the, the fixtures so i've amalgamated that all together that's how i formed my team how do you think that you formed your team overall uh, first off
1: i was i was looking at last season and the players i really just figured i had to have yeah. this season the guys that did me great harm last year, like uh, uh, Laporte. And it also seemed like a no-brainer really to get double city defense and double Liverpool defense and go heavy at the back. And my problem is I, I like to trust and focus on the eye test. I watch a lot of football and try to find my picks that way, supported by stats rather than the other way around. I also like to use the heat maps to see if the players get into the right areas of the pitch. Since I don't have... I watched some pre-season football, but it's not really enough to pick out some great options. So I don't tend to end with proven players that I know are good FPL assets and that have performed in the Premier League. Before. Yeah, I suppose, I
0: suppose that kind of answers FPL Sexy's question. He's saying, how do you guys choose between your players, doesn't it? Certain price points, what stats, et cetera. He listed a load of players, which he's looking at. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how you do it. I do do it. Based on that, you know, past experience, you have to for your game with one team. Fixtures, as, as I mentioned, the expected stats I do use a lot and shot volume. James York was on our last podcast. He was, he was just saying how shot volume is really important. I did speak to him after the, the pod as well. And he was saying like the expected goal involvement, which I've been looking at as well, you've got to be looking at that for your FPL teams. It's, just, it's a shame I actually didn't get that on record. But yeah, it was, it was quite interesting to, to hear what he had to say as a true outer stats man
1: yeah and uh, that's an important stat that uh, which you also of course see when you watch the games for i wanted to maybe get Philippe anderson yeah. in my team so uh, so i watched uh, manchester city versus west ham west ham put out a pretty strong lineup in pre-season and even though it's just a pre-season game you could see from felipe's play that he yeah. he looks to pass he doesn't take the selfies he's the build-up player isn't
0: he I, I, that's what i found uh, out about him that's why yeah. i've been put off recently
1: yeah. And even though he comes into some great positions, he tends not to want to shoot. And on the other end on that, you have a guy like Jota, which, which I really wanted to get in my gaming one team. He shoots at everything and he's selfish. He wants to score goals. He wants great to do a shoot. A he wants to finish. That's what I'm looking for.
0: Yeah, which is fair enough. All right, so we've got some other topics here. So transfers. Are you planning transfers already? Do you know what you're going to do? Yeah, uh, I, tr- I know what i can do
1: but i also given the latest uncertainties about a couple of players in my squad i try to have no planned transfers for yeah, a few like game the weeks. first two
0: game weeks the first game week at least yeah, i definitely plan to hold that transfer i just plan to leave my players see what they like and then you can view the rest of the pool and work out where to go i've got a couple of players which i want to move around and i've got options of nearly anyone who i'm debating about now whether to go towards but i'm just making sure that i've got the players to move around so i can get to those players which i'm thinking about now so it's nice to have that structure so you can jump on wherever you think's the best place to go when you know when it's the best place to go there
1: yeah and i think it's valuable to you have to sort of give your team at least a couple of game weeks before you shift it around because you spent so much time researching it so much time finding the right players, and you kind of just have to trust them for some game weeks. And the the important thing then is to not get carried away by the price changes. There will be a lot of fluctuation early on because every one of the 5 million players are going to make transfers. Some of them are going to do lots of transfers. Prices will go up and down. If Obamyang scores Patrick versus Mm. in in the first game week... Yeah, that would be difficult for many managers. (laughs) Even though...
0: Patience is so key for the first
1: game.
0: Some player which you haven't got in your team and you really want and they've just done really well. That's a bit knee-jerky type thing, isn't it? Yeah, okay. So let's kind of move on to premiums then. So we've got some questions here regarding premiums. Question from Mark. How risky is it not to cover the Aston Villa fixture with Harry Kane? How much have you thought about Harry Kane? (laughs) Uh, Surprisingly (laughs) little.
1: I haven't got carried away by this Harry uh, Kane. I haven't had, had him in one draft. I never tried to fit him in, and I haven't had him. And it's, be it's basically because I still haven't... Yeah, other players, and I still haven't seen Kane be very good since yeah. his formal yeah, injury. Uh,
0: I have had Kane in my team. I do think that he is priced to buy at 11. Yeah, I agree yeah, with yeah. that. It's, it's very it's, tempting. tempting. You just know what he can do. and He's so... He just, his shot volumes are always up there and he's always taking shots and he's just been so consistent over the years. He's just one of these players which I've thought about a lot, but it is risky not having him against Villa. He may get a couple of goals, he may not. You know, he hasn't lit up pre season in many games, he hasn't got a load of goals or anything. He's just got like the one, like obviously, he's got that scorcher from the halfway line, but uh, yeah, he's not enticing me in like if i mean like if he's been scoring loads pre-season like for example wilson has uh, i would have been looking at him a lot more and we also had a question from Shavinda, orba or kane if out of the two which one would you go for
1: i think i would go for obama at this point because he has two good fixtures and kane has city away which i is pretty much a yeah, non-fixture all- in any case so uh, or buy and then buy myself some time yeah, to look um, at options. Aubameyang
0: came in what a year ago, last January, and he's just been proven in terms of his numbers since he's been at the club. Uh, I know Lacazette has been injured recently. He does hope to be back for the, for the game week one. Not sure whether that's a ne- negative or positive for Aubameyang because he could be played down the middle. He got the most unexpected goal involvement last year out of all the strikers. Obviously, he got the most points as well. And he was the golden boot winner along with Salah and Mane. So yeah, throughout the season, I do think that he is definitely going to be in my team i have looked at it for the first couple of game weeks and then move them out but i just want to do something else with my team and i can't do it if i've got that price up front and it's that 11 mil which does take a lot out of everywhere else doesn't it
1: yeah it's the same for me i i think obama young and kane are too expensive to allow them to have bad fixtures like uh, kane away to city or obama young away to Liverpool in gaming three yeah so uh, i have no problems starting say Callum wilson at home to city because it's eight million and you don't expect that much anyway it just seems a bit worse to have a 11 million player with a really bad fixture yeah yeah and and i won't be captaining them either i guess if you have obem young maybe you can captain him game week two i think uh is it
0: too early <laughs> To be fair, you can captain against Newcastle and Burnley, but there is an element of risk behind it. You don't feel like it's (laughs) as as secure as the likes of Salah and Sterling.
1: Uh, Game game Week 2, you can argue that Aubameyang is the best captain uh, because uh, Salah plays away to Southampton, which last season, Southampton gave Liverpool a real good match, so I don't expect that much from Salah then, but in Game Week 1, I think uh, Salah is uh, the best captain option and He will be captain by a lot of
0: guys. We do have a question from Mars. He's put Orba and Mora and then switch to Kane or we'll just start with Kane. So what would be your thoughts on that? I, I I do like that in terms of starting with... I mean, seen should be getting the first two games with Son out, suspended for the first couple. Uh, and Aubameyang, yeah, he's playing Newcastle and then he's playing Burnley at home. So two really good fixtures. And then Kane after that has got some pretty decent fixtures to go. So I do see that as a, a plausible thing. But like we've mentioned, planning and transfers, it's I suppose it... <sighs> Depends on how you feel about it, whether it's playing aggressive or just playing too risky. What what are your thoughts on that, you know, the plan transfers?
1: I think it's a viable plan. Mm. Uh, If you have, make sure that the rest of your team are pretty set up with trusted, solid guys, which you expect to play every game. Like if you don't pick the Zinchenkos of the world, uh, you know you will basically, you will have some transfers to use on the premiums. And uh, that's the strategy I used a lot last season, trying to make free transfers between the premiums. Uh, sort of maximize, if you can, if you can sell Young away to Liverpool and buy Harry Kane at home to Newcastle in gaming free, that has got to be the best way to spend one free transfer in my opinion. Yeah, I think I... You get to shift around a big part of your team with one free transfer and getting the best possible fixture.
0: Yeah, if I didn't want to maximize that money elsewhere then I, I have looked at that option myself Yeah. just couldn't quite work it with the other players that I needed. Okay, let's move oh. on to punts then. So, have got a question here from uh, Christian Weasel. Is that a fellow Norwegian apparently? Any... It is, it, it's Vessel. Oh,
1: <laughs> Weasel. <laughs> Sounds like something else. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: It's a Christian Vessel. Is that it? V- yeah, Vessel. Vessel. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's put any thoughts on uh, Cabalos? That has to be a for you as, an, as a Gunner, right? Yeah, as a, as a Guno, I have kind of found out as much as I can about him. I know that he's played uh, 17 league games out of the 76 since the return of Zidane did not help him in his case. I mean, like, he has the talent to be a very good player. He's still very raw. I know he was player of the tournament two years ago. He did well last year when Spain won the under-21 level tournament. His move to Madrid has kind of stagnated his career, though. Like with Zidane, he kind of trusts Modric, Kroos, uh, Casemiro, who play in his position. He's twenty three. And he does wear his heart on the sleeve. But as an FPL option, only seven goals and four assists over the 100 La Liga games. So it's kind of minimal in my eyes. And he can play in a deeper role, kind of plays anywhere. It's he, just a wait and see for me. He could do well, but I just mm-hmm. see it as a risk. And, you know, if you're at that price point of 5.5, there's not really many others you want to go to. Maybe McGinn at uh, Aston Villa, but I wouldn't risk it. I'll just stick with the likes of you Kind of know that is going to play and use that extra million elsewhere. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I agree. I'd rather start Donker and spend the money that's elsewhere. Good.
0: Okay, Yeah, he also so, asked about Mois Ken. Is that how you say it? Worth considering that's 7.0. What are your thoughts on him? I don't know much about him.
1: I don't know much either, but... My guess is he can finish better than uh, Calvert-Lewin, and that is why they got him. First off, I think uh, everyone else at Everton benefits from him coming in. That's Digne with his crosses, and Coleman with his... uh, He he creates some big chances, but you have no one to put them away. Maybe he has now. And also Sigurdsson should um, maybe benefit from him. So I, I would more look at the other Everton guys rather than going straight for Moiseken. Yeah, and he's, he's also probably,
0: him. you know, he might yeah. not start the first couple of games anyway. Like, he's probably going to warm him into that Everton team, get him used to playing. Obviously, Dominic Calvert-Lewin has already played there. So to start with him, I see as being the better option for Everton at the moment.
1: Yeah, but... They might throw in, in in the mix because they scored one goal in pre-season. Is is that correct? I think it's one or they, two they, goals, maybe. They they have. So yeah, they real in need pre-season.
0: Someone. I have heard by the grapevine that um, they haven't been trying a hundred percent in their games. They've been worked hard pre-season, so. Yeah, I can understand why they haven't been doing too well. So don't be put off by Everton's preseason, everyone. Uh, he also puts uh, Barkley for me once. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Barkley? Yeah, yeah,
1: I was lucky enough to avoid Barkley bandwagon last season. I avoided it because of his heat maps looked terrible. He was just set around the midfield, didn't go much up, didn't go much down. But this season it could be something completely different. He could play at, in the number ten yeah. in the four-two-three-one. I think, although he does have competition from Mason Mount, which also started the last game. He could be great value at six million. As he can also be on penalties, but there are a lot of question marks. We don't know for sure. We don't know if he will start every game. We don't know who actually takes penalties when everyone is on the field. We don't know how good Chelsea will be. So I will keep close eye on him, but not for my gaming one
0: team. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks like he might be playing in that number 10 role. It is a, a gamble, isn't it? They've just got a lot of players behind him in terms of Pulisic, Mount. Uh, you know, They've got Pedro and William as well. So could any of them could play in that position. But I I do think he's kind of made for that position for Chelsea. I know he's taken some penalties, but we're yet to see if he is on penalties. Yeah, he's a hopeful one. One to watch is uh, Miles, that one. Um, We also kind of had a question from FPL Doctor just saying, is Barkley worth a punt? So, mm, depends. He's worth a punt if you like punts. Yeah. (laughs) So
1: if I I like punts, I would punt on Barkley.
0: Yeah, I have looked at him quite a lot pre-season but I yeah managed to move myself away from them. Yeah. Right, so we'll move to captains now. Briefly, um, obviously, we've got your planner, so we've sorted out our captains for the next fifteen game weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to sorted me to right in advance. Yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on captains at the moment? Are you looking at yeah? You know, is it premiums only? Is it always trusted? Are you going to be looking at the polls continuously? Yeah, I, I tried desperately
1: early on to go with just one premium player. Just Salah and maybe switch him and Sterling back and forth as they were supposed to be good captains. Yeah. But I quickly ran into trouble because in Game week One and Game week Two, I'm trusting Salah. Pretty much certain of that. But as we go along in Game week Three, we have Salah at home to Arsenal and Sterling away to Bournemouth. He can it get gets a lot tricky. Of
0: goals at Arsenal, <laughs> huh? He can get a lot of goals at Arsenal, too. Yeah, me.
1: yeah, he, he could, he could. <laughs> But you would also maybe want Sterling. Sala scored a hat-trick away to Bournemouth last season. Why not Sterling this season? The thing is, Salah and Sterling have so such good games from game week three and on. If Arsenal is a good game, at home he usually does well. So I have planned out Salah for the first three game weeks, then Sterling and then Salah again. But it's a toss-up between Sala and Sterling a lot of game weeks, I think.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. I do like having three players in my team. This is why I've looked at Kane quite a lot, but I'll explain why I haven't got Kane to start with. But I do think Salah's a given for a game 100% for me. You know, Norwich... They're not the greatest defence in the Championship last year. I've heard they've also got some injuries as well at the back. Yeah. And Salah, I watched him in the charity sealed yesterday. He got the 10 shots and he just looked raring to go. He looks on form in terms of getting involved in everything. Obviously, yeah. we know what he's capable of in his halls. I just think it's going to be happening on Friday for Salah. Walker only just cleared his header off the line. And yeah, he's definitely 100% for me and for the next... A couple of game weeks. So yeah,
1: I think I think the structure is just going to be not ideal if I add Kane to the mix, given that I want Captain Kane. But if if uh, Salah was uh, injured tomorrow, I will probably have Kane in my team because of his captaincy potential.
0: Yeah, an injury would make things so much easier on it.
1: Yeah, but but that's the thing. Uh, if the fixtures were otherwise and Salah had United at home or something, yeah. uh, I think a lot more people including me would look much closer to guys like Aubameyang and Kane but for now I think it's uh, it's got to be Salah captain
0: yeah 100% agree right so let's move on to our teams now kind of what this podcast is about a player-by-player player with reasoning. A quick walkthrough of the players we've already discussed. More thorough on the ones we've not discussed yet, then. So I'm going to start it first with a question from FPL test. though. He has put a really good question from him. If we're going to see an increased focus on penalty box behaviour, then we should consider players like Duffy as a genuine option, often targeted in terms of blocks and shirt-pulling. Will this allow players more freedom in the box? Yeah, so that question really made me think and it made me very nervous
1: about not owning a guy like uh, Van Dijk. Mm. And uh, because he could be very well he could be right about his suggestion that the players get a bit more freedom in the box and if they don't get that freedom maybe they will draw some penalties. Yeah. If someone just drags down Van Dijk and VAR goes and checks it and They give a penalty. I'm not sure how many penalties VAR actually give out of shirt pulling and blocking in the box. I'm not a VAR expert, but that would be my only question.
0: In in the World Cup. In the World Cup it actually increased by 50% or something. In 2014 there were only 13 penalties and in 2018 there were 29. Uh, But that was the World Cup and I do think they were quite strict on it. And I know that they're not going to be going as strict on it uh, in the Premiership. So I'm not sure it's going to change a great deal. I think it might change the likes of shirt pulling and stuff. So it might give VVD a little bit of room to... You know, to actually get on the end of things like he did in the uh, charity show, where he hit the bar and he set up the uh, the goal by Matip.
1: Yeah, the, uh, Bobby Medley, the uh, old uh, Premier League referee, was on a Norwegian podcast, and he said that they were trying to make the ref go as few times as possible and check the situations again for himself on the on the mm. screen. So uh, I think these 50-50 decisions, or maybe it should have been a pen, I think they're trying to say, okay, give the referee a signal. It's a penalty. No need to check it. It's clear. I'm not sure if they're going to give a lot of penalties for the shirt pulling and stuff.
0: See, this is the thing. I don't think it is predictable like people are thinking it is. I don't think it's going to change that much in terms of penalties. But I just think that the likes of Duffy and the likes of VVD, they just won't be touched as much, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it might be. My strategy early on in the season is to go for the full backs. I think the centre backs are more for when the fixtures are congested. Like uh, come Christmas time, you would want Van Dijk over Alexander Arnold because he plays every game. He should should be able to play every game, and uh, he has a good he's a good pick. But in early on, I would sort of like fullbacks. But this question really has got me thinking. Maybe we should expect more goals from central defenders this yeah. season.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, so yeah. we we did have a, another question here, like goalkeeper discussion, and you know, the 4.5 options and how many we have now. A question from FPL Chris is: "But is it worth 1.0 to go Kepper over a 4.5? How do you rank the 4.5 keepers, and is Edison worth another 0. 0.5 over Kepper? What are your thoughts on that? Let's go through the team now. Who have you got, and kind of your explanation of that? Yeah,
1: in goalkeepers, I got Heaton and McGovern. Uh, how about you? I
0: have Pope and McGovern let's okay, explain yeah. our reasoning on that 4.0 goalkeeper my reasoning is because he is one of the lowest owned of the 4.0s and I just don't see him going down in price and he does have potential to get a game at Norwich if there are any injuries to the likes of Krull. yeah there is potential for him and he's lowest owned so I'm hoping not to lose any value on him but he's never going to play
1: yeah no, no, no. Same reasoning for me. The only reason to go for Button, in my opinion, is if you want to double up yeah. with Ryan Button. That's yeah.
0: uh, that's fair enough. That's yeah. So, I mean, like, I've gone for the 4.5 goalkeeper with the 4 mil fodder, which is statistically stated by FPL editor on his keeper thread. He did say using that extra 1.5 elsewhere when you're not going for a premium to use outfield increases your flexibility uh, that allows within your team's structure. And also, you know, you, you can pick a, a 4.5, which is going to be not that far away from those premium goalkeepers at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, it's the same reasoning for me. I want to have that extra money out on the field so I can shift it around to get to more players than I could if- if I went with a 5.5 or a 6.0 keeper. But why
0: the, uh, why the Heaton choice? Are you taking a big gamble that he's that ah, he's she... going to do well at Villa or is it just the, the starting fixtures are pretty tasty?
1: It's a close call. I sort of want Pope and I also want Henderson. Those three are the ones I'm debating. But I like Heaton because I know he can do it. He can put up the saves. He can get the bonus points. And I expect him to face quite a lot of shots at Villa. And if he saves them in combination with a good fixture run for Villa, maybe the best one of the 4.5 goalies, I'm hoping for... Maybe a game or two, or a clean sheet, some saves, and a bonus. And in the rest of the games, just hoping for three points because of saves. Yeah,
0: and I'm I'm on Pope because he has started the last preseason game 90 minutes. He wasn't starting before because he was injured. And I do think he's going to be the number one there. I don't think they're going to chance with Hart again. And he scored 152 points when covering for Heaton that year that Heaton was out injured. And if he got that last year, he would have been the fourth best goalkeeper. And that will do me, along with Burnley, the they do concede a lot of shots from outside the box, so I'm hoping for a lot of points from him. So I think he is nailed into my team.
1: I think Pope will be one for me on the wild card, maybe. Uh, yes, he doesn't have that, that good fixtures, and there's a question marks over the Burnley defense. Maybe we know more before the deadline with Tarkovsky maybe moving. I will wait for Pope until the wild card, maybe. Yeah, good point. If he had been injury free and played every preseason game, I would probably have popped myself.
0: Yeah, good point. So, right, let's let's move to the to the back line then. So, who are you starting at the back? Okay, so should, we, should
1: we do the Liverpool guys first? Yeah. So I'm on Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson. I haven't. I need that point five, which I could get by going Van Dijk, but I just want to go with the fullbacks. I believe that uh, in a typical game, Liverpool are going to press high. They're going to. The fullbacks are going to be moved very high up in the field. They're going to be in the penalty box a lot. They're going to create chances, get bonus points. The BPS system favors both Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, and in combination with Arnold being on on free kicks and on set pieces, I think he he really should be in my team.
0: Yeah, see we've, we've had this discussion on our Slack channel, haven't we, regarding Trent Alexander Arnold and he was getting sub in the City game. Shouldn't look at this as like a knee-jerk reaction. We know that he can get sub. we know that Gomez can play in that position. It's just a scary thought for me and I just think, well, yeah. he's going to play all those games to start with maybe, but maybe there's going to be an odd game where he just plays Gomez there instead and Matt tip scored at the weekend so maybe giving him a chance so there is that side of it which, which I just think well VVD like we were saying earlier is going to get those chances in the box maybe he's going to score more he hit the post pre-season he hit the bar and he set up a goal for Matt Matip there's just a lot going for him and it's really close for me as mentioned on the podcast with James York he is expecting the regression in XA for Trent Alexander-Arnold so is part of me which wants to move to VVD from Trent Alexander Arnold. I know that the the ceiling is probably higher for him, uh, but I just know that Robertson is con- more consistent in terms of starts. So I'm definitely on Robertson. It's the Trent Alexander Arnold and VVD which I am considering. I don't necessarily need that 0.5 elsewhere. So. Uh, even that I may just I could I've I've been against this but I may just leave the 0.5 in the bank if I do go uh, VVD and that that is a a price structure thing on my team as well in terms of I could have a 7 million and a 6.5 million and if it all goes tits up for Liverpool and I want to move away from one of them then I've already got 0.5 elsewhere so I've considered that when, when choosing these two as well. But at the moment, I'm actually on VVD and Robbo. Until... Yeah. Uh, the, the, the thing for uh,
1: Trent Alexander-Arnold for me is, okay, he, he can get rested again, but it will be the game you want him to be rested. Maybe a way to United or a way to Chelsea or some sort of game versus City. And last season, Gomez was out injured for a long while. And he came back, he had barely played. And even then, he started the game away to Barcelona instead of Alexander Arnold because they know Alexander Arnold will be targeted by the good teams, just like City did yesterday, Uh, Sunday. And I don't fear Trent Alexander Arnold being rotated or benched for Norwich at home or Brighton at home. What about Arsenal at home then? Uh,
0: I mean, what about Arsenal? I'm not saying we're the best team in the world, I'm just saying that we do have a threat. And Alexander-Arnold yeah. does tend to... yeah, you know, He doesn't do very well against good strikers, does he? Like He wasn't fair oh. in that world And when Sane yeah. was there. Uh, I think he was quite glad when he went off. So, effectively, if you've got Aubameyang running at you, like, <laughs> is he going to play yeah. him? So, that's my concern on that as well. I'm not going to sit there and
1: say that Arnold won't be arrested for Arsenal at home or benched. He's not needing a rest. He will be benched if he doesn't play. But at the same time, with all respect to Arsenal... Uh, I think Aubameyang just had a few touches last season away to Liverpool, so I don't think it's that big of a risk to go with Arnold in that case. I I just think it will be very tough to watch the games without the Liverpool fullbacks because they are so involved in everything, although Van Dijk can score on any set piece. um, I like to think that the assists and bonus points that Arnold and Robertson gets are more predictable than the goals Van Dijk are going to get. Yeah. So I think Van Dyke can turn up with a goal or two goals in a game like he did last season and then go quiet for 15 games. I think uh, Alexander Arnold and Robertson will keep trickling along with the bonus and the assists. I, and I maybe do, even the odd goal.
0: Yeah. I do think it was the Van Dyke towards the start of the season was not really an option. Yeah, he wasn't getting forward as, uh, as much in, in terms of set pieces or wasn't getting as many chances. I do think maybe Liverpool worked it out by then. I do think their corners and their set pieces—they, you know—they've managed to strategize, or you know, they had a strategy to actually do well and you know, use him to his full potential. So there is part of me which does think that as well. It's it's very close to me at the moment. At the moment, I have moved to VVD, but there is some part of me that wants to move back as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it feels like a decision you have to get wrong in some sense because <laughs> no matter what you choose, you might sit there and say, "Ah." I knew I should have gone for an insert name. Yeah. It's uh, it's quite easy to get this wrong.
0: Yeah. I mean that kind of answers the question we have from Foppelkin. I mean, is it safe to roll with two Liverpool defenders? I do think it is, with their fixtures going forward. Yeah. They've got Norwich, they've got Southampton, Cliche there. I don't think they're going to clean sheet against Arsenal. That's just because I love Arsenal. They'll clean sheet at Burnley and Newcastle. So it's just loads of points there. And you can see a lot of attack and returns for all of them. So yeah, I think that it is good to go with two Liverpool to start
1: with. Yeah, And I can add that if I drop someone of them to Van Dyke, I will drop Robertson to Van Dyke and not Alexander-Arnold. Yeah, I keep him ranked as number one for me still.
0: Yeah, let's move on to the rest of the defence. And I have Luka Dean and Zinchenko in my team. Zinchenko, yeah, we all know he's a bit of a risk and we all know that likely that Mendy will be back at some point. We've seen words from Mendy on Twitter just saying, yeah, bring me in your team. But I just think that <laughs> Zinchenko is definitely going to uh, start the first few. I just think you need to take opportunity of that value that he gives at 5.5 for playing for the best defensive team. And I think he will keep his position so he will be in my team to start with. Who knows, I, I may remove come wild card, but I'm going to take advantage of that value that he gives.
1: Yeah, I got Sinsinko Zinzink, as well. And I, I think you can't judge him based on facing Salah in one game. And he also lacked Laporte on the inside of him. So Otamendi isn't the same player that Laporte is, so... Sala got, got way too much room and did a lot in the Czech community shield. But I still think Sinchenko does exactly what Pep wants him to do. And that matters a lot to me. So I think uh, Sinchenko will play for quite a while. And Mendy have to train again and then actually have to get in the team. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty set with Sinchenko, But I don't have Digne. I have Coleman.
0: You do, don't you? Yes.
1: Because of that point 0.5. Uh, I really want Digne. I think he's the better player, but uh, Coleman has the ability to get inside the box and uh, create the big chances. Digne creates a lot of chances from corners, set pieces, but the big chances belong more to Coleman. And if they just get a player like maybe Moise Kane to finish those chances, I think Coleman can do well. And he also has, has goals in him. But it's this uh, Sidibe rumor that is a blow? Uh, to Coleman, it came today. Yes, saw trying that. to sign sign a new new right back, so I have to keep a uh, watch out for that, or else I'm I'm pretty comfortable going with Coleman instead of Digna to save that point five.
0: See, I'm I i have not been. I just think that. Yeah, Luca Dean is worth more than Coleman. So I think you've just got to pay that 0.5 uh, extra. He just these onset pieces, you know, he's going to share them with Siggy. And I just think that he creates more chances. The assist is going to be where it comes from. That's where you're going to get your points from him. And, you know, with the new player coming in, he's the guy which is going to help him get those assists, really. So, yeah, I'm, I'm currently on him. Yeah. I don't really want to move to Coleman yet until I desperately need that money.
1: I have no argument against Digna at all. I just can't yeah. afford it.
0: Okay, so we've got our 4.5 fodder. Mine is, at the moment, Lundstram. He seems to be playing all of pre-season. A lot of Sheffield United fans saying that he probably won't start. He's classed as a defender when he's clearly a midfielder and always has been. So he can get forward and create assists as well. Who do you have in yours as your 4.5 fodder? 4.0. Have 4. I said 4.5 yeah. the whole time? Yeah,
1: I think so. That's okay. 4.0. It's a 4.0. And I, uh, 4. I have Lundstrom as well. I, I think, I hope that he will grow more into the team and grow more into a midfielder role and hence be a good long-term 4.0 option. I don't see any 4.0 options that I expect starts from. Uh, I saw that Crystal Palace signed Cahill today, so maybe Kelly won't even get to one game. Who knows? And also the Gibson at Burnley could be interesting. If Tarkovsky leaves, I will keep an eye out for that because that means...
0: There's, there's also long though, isn't there? Like I think that's still a risk. Yeah, because... uh,
1: it's, a, it's a risk, but it's maybe a better chance of getting yeah. a starting 4.0 defender in Gibson than Lundström. But I think it's just hopes with the 4.0s this season. You can't expect a new from or you can't expect a guy to start every game. Yeah, I
0: mean, Diego Rico, he looks like he might be starting. You still do have Daniels there as well. So yeah. uh, I know they've recently signed a left back in Lloyd Kelly. So...
1: He was injured, so he's out for months, I think.
0: Yeah, so you expect that Rico makes... to, sign, uh, to, to play now.
1: Or Daniels or Smith on the left. So I don't trust Rico. Also, it- Ake either. can play there. Yeah. I think it's poor options, but I would like to again on Kelly, if Kelly doesn't start game week 1 and with that high ownership, I think it can be sold by a lot of casual players.
0: Yeah, you you'll be you'll be losing. Yeah, a lot I think of value you can. There, you? Yeah. So so Lund, Lundstrom is the guy for us at the 4.0, not one 4. Yeah. 4.5. Okay, so we've got another question here. We're, we're not going for 4.5 options, but a question here from FPL Docs saying, best 4.5 defender, please. So what are your thoughts on the 4.5 defenders? I think it's a tricky
1: price point for me. I, um, I don't see, see how I can fit them in, really. But I had some drafts with a 4.5 defender, and in that case, it was Diop for me. And also this uh, Gilbert guy on Aston Villa. Oh, Yeah. He looks to be an okay option as well as target and maybe even a guy like Dunk. Uh, it's it's slim pickings, really, for me. I yeah. I don't have a 4.5 defender I really trust.
0: Yeah, I think it would be, if I didn't have Pope, I think it would be Taylor at Burnley. I do think it would start. Yeah. played every game last season gets forward only the one assist though did get the seven clean sheets just you know last season due to the Europa League Bernie didn't not playing like they normally would so he would be my the best 4.5 option for me if you're not going Pope. Other than that I think it might be um Target or Adam Smith. I know they've just signed Jack Stacey Bournemouth as well but I do think Adam Smith will play he surprisingly gets a random goal they got eight clean sheets last season he can play as a midfielder too. And if Ake goes, then uh, yeah, maybe no chance in getting clean sheets, to be honest. <laughs> well, but he, he could be an option. But for me, it'll be Taylor, then maybe Target from Aston Villa. I know he gets forward one goal and three assists he got last season. Creates a lot of chances and Villa got some good fixtures. Maybe you can change that on your wild card. I know they conceded 61 goals last season. So that's the worst for promoted teams. So, yeah, those will be the options for me. Yeah, I think there will be options
1: at that price point, but I don't think we can securely say who will be the best at this point. We have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Right, I'm going to move it to a question on Bournemouth. So we've got a question from Sky, Sky Player and FPL. He's posed a slack question to us he said so many people like the option of Wilson and Brooks for Bournemouth's opening fixtures so in light of Brooks's injury why are people not discussing a double up with Wilson and Josh King instead yes it requires a different structure but he's at the same price on pens and there's a bonus of being far more 4.5 mids for your bench to choose from than there are forwards so let's go straight to our strikers on this we both have Wilson and King in our starting lineup, don't we?
1: Yes, they do.
0: There is a reason for that. Just going to quickly go to my reasoning in terms of Bournemouth. Yeah. Last year from game-weeks 1 to 12 they were 4 for expected goals and they scored 19 goals within 10 game-weeks. They just seem to start really well. They've been doing well pre-season. I know you've watched one of their games pre-season. Wilson and King have both been doing well. So, That is why we are both starting with them. What's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I watched a few of Bournemouth's games uh, this preseason. They they streamed them, so you can watch them. And Wilson, he just looks to be ah, maybe one of the best strikers in FPL terms, even at 8 million. He always gets into the right positions. His link-up play is very good. He has good finishing. He looks hungry. I think his England call-ups have given him extra motivation, and even in preseason, he looks to have the desire and passion to actually do well. And he seems also confident, relaxed, uh, even though he's not on penalties, I think he's a great pick. And after watching the preseason games, I don't think I can go without him in either case, really. So he's pretty much shaped a lot of my team.
0: Yeah, 14, um, 14 goals, 12 assists last season. He got f- yeah. 5.6 points per game. Yeah, he's just. Looks really good. I did look at some stats regarding the highest ranked in 2018-2019 for expected FPL points posted by FPL Fix. There was just saying the standout value picks for the 2019-2020 in order was Wilson and he is top on 8.0 and the likes yeah. of Fraser, Jimenez, Vardy, Pogburn, and Sigurdsson are all in there as well. And there's some really good picks and it does show that, you know, with those two great fixtures they have at the start of the season in Sheffield United at home and uh, Aston Villa away, yeah, it's kind of a given, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and even against City and Gavig3, you, you, you can always use him as your cash bank if you need to, if you absolutely have to get some other player. He's at a good price point to be used as a a player to either go down or up or as a move to Kane or whatever you would want. Yeah.
0: Um, That's exactly why I've kind of gone for him as well because I, I want to take advantage of these two fixes and let you know as well, I also have... Fraser in my team in midfield. So I've tripled up up. on the ball. I've just gone full whack. This is where we can discuss whether it's risky or aggressive play. But I do look to take the chance and hope that I don't get any injuries for the first two game weeks and hope that I don't get any sending offs or anything and hope that all my players play and that I can move out Fraser And Wilson and then I can move to pretty much whoever I want and the the players like Son, KDB, Kane these are all players which I've thought about for my game week one teams but I just want to go for it for the first two game weeks and then I can decide and just hope that those players don't overly score and then I can decide whether I want either one of them game week three. Yeah
1: it's a sound tactic and for my part I think three players is one too many i always find myself wanting to bench or sell the bournemouth assets when i look at Game three against city at home i have no problem starting wilson really he can score against anyone he scored at the etihad last season i'd not worry about him too much but i want to bench king or sell king and i don't want to have that issue also with fraser so for me I think having three of them will be one too many planned transfers, so so of say. Yeah,
0: which, again, I can kind of be behind, but I just think that you've got your 6.5 million option as a striker. I do think King's the best 6.5 million option. I want Wilson because of what we've just discussed, and uh, Fraser as... 4.5 4.5 points per game last season. He is a great midfielder to have steal even at 7.5. And I do think that they're going to score goals in these first two games. It was proven last season. They seem to be doing it pre season. Any one of these players can score. And it's not fully predictable, but I, I've just thought, well, if you've got all three, you, you're going to get some points there. Just going yeah, to go yeah, for yeah. it.
1: Any reason for not picking any other 6.5 forward?
0: Just don't like them. I did have Delefeu in my team for a while. I looked at his stats, mainly looking at the easy teams that he played against, Huddersfield and Cardiff. I think it was that he skewed his stats somewhat. Yotta, I kind of want to wait on on Wolves because they've got the Europa League sort of starting early and that affects every single team that have been in the Europa League, which have never been in Europe before. So... I just know it's going to affect them in some way. Also, him and those might be injured. I know that Yota likes to shoot from whenever. So he, if he had good fixtures, like I said in the last podcast, probably would be the best option. But yeah, not really doing it for me. Not really anyone else there, which I really like. You know, Pukki, you've got to wait for him to get the fixtures going. So yeah, I'm just kind of stuck on King, really. He's, he, well, not stuck, but he is my option to go for.
1: Yeah. I, I've been playing around with trying to f- just to go with one striker or even just sacrifice King to start a guy like Jordan Ayew or something just to get the money out of the forwards because um, I agree with you that there's mm. not much of value in there. So I think if you're going to go with the 6.5, it's King for me also. But I would rather just put the money in midfield had there been a good bench option for the striker yeah. Who is
0: your um, other option then, uh, your third striker? Uh
1: Oh, it's Wickham. It's Wickham.
0: So you're on Wickham I as just, well, just as that 4.5 option. Yeah. Don't want to lose money on the uh, Greenwood show. <laughs> as- yeah, I think I'm
1: repeating myself, but I, I, I'm i scared if Greenwood doesn't come on the pitch the first two games, yeah. what will happen to his ownership. Yeah. I don't expect Wickham to get many minutes either. So.
0: Okay, right. So we can move to our midfield now, but I am dying for a piss. So we're going to go for the Iceman's piss break. Be right back. <laughs> I'm now, I'm now going to press that every single time we come back from the ice Manchester. Welcome back to me and you from the break. So we're going to go through midfielders now. And we've got three questions based on Everton. Luke Jody in our Slack saying, what are your thoughts on Siggy now? Uh, is it Keane or Ke- how do you say his name? I think it was Moise Ken, but I Ken, could be, could okay. be wrong. Now, like Ken, just looks wrong and sounds wrong, yeah. has signed for Everton. A question from Abdullah is, put, are Everton attackers a no-go based on fitness pre-season form? As I mentioned earlier, Abdullah, I don't think they are. They've been run hard pre-season. A question from Christian Wessel, as you corrected me earlier, yeah. is, but are we forgetting about Siggy? Uh, I don't think we are forgetting about Siggy. I'm not the, the greatest fan of his. What are your thoughts on Siggy? So
1: I actually have Siggy in my team yet again. Mm. Uh, he was one of the first ones in my first draft, and its he sounds like a no-brainer. He's on set pieces, he takes penalties, hopefully still, and he has the best fixtures by far. By anyone. And you can keep him for a long time without having to worry about him. He should deliver points for you and you don't have to touch him. But then it was the thing about Ghana leaving. Suma left. They can't score a goal in preseason. And now Delph is injured. There are a lot of questions, really. And and you get a sneaky feeling that Everton may not be the best team to go for after all. But then again, Siggy, for me, he could do well regardless and he's at a great price point for me because if he fails, giving a couple of game weeks, he can become virtually anyone in midfield except the 9.5 guys. And he could also be a K De Bru- Kevin De Bruyne if I downgrade somewhere else. So I think he's at a good enough price point for me and have good enough fixtures to maybe get an old dead game one I have him in now and I think I'm going to keep him
0: you see I'm I've, I've stated on the last po- podcast that I'm not necessarily one to go for Siggy I haven't really looked at him at all preseason. a lot of people do seem to be on him Do you want to kind of hear my reasoning is more or less on all of the last podcasts but yeah it just seems like there's a lot of question marks you know Luca Dean's taken some of his set pieces they've got other players coming whether or not the new player's going to adapt and you know change things for Siggy might take penalties off him like I say a lot of question marks there so I am steering away I would actually prefer to go for Richardson just because I know he starts the season well has always started the season well so he would be the option that I'll go for out of those um, Everton attackers. But I'm not actually on any of the Everton attackers at the moment. My midfield, if we're, list, if we're going back to listing, is I, I would prefer the Fraser option at Bournemouth for all the reasons I said earlier. So that's who I've got over your Siggy. Yeah,
1: so in a world where Jota was actually a good pick and didn't have to travel to Armenia on Thursday night, I, I think I would have gone Fraser as well. If I could get another player than King up top, but I just feel like getting the three Bournemouth players is too volatile for me. I I don't. Yeah, I I would like to spread the risk a bit more. Yeah, so fair enough comment. Yeah, but it was pretty strange thinking of Siggy as a punt somehow. I think he's punty at eight million, but I still think. I, uh, he's
0: a good pick yeah fair enough right so let, let's go through our other players so yeah we've got Salah we've got Sterling they are yep. the two main men to have I can't be veering away from them at the start of the season just consistent point scorers always up there and Salah I just think is going to have another season like the last season the season before last and Sterling just seems to be progressing well all the time even though he missed an absolutely terrible one-on-one in the charity shield <laughs> but yeah, they, it, they are it seems, to, uh, it
1: seems too risky yeah too risky to go
0: without. And he looks to be probably starting up front. Although Sane's now out, maybe Jesus will start up front instead, and yeah. Sterling out on the left. Agüero could start as well, also. He so. could, yeah, he could do. Yeah, he's still yeah. still in there. So they are the givens. I don't think we need to say much on them, do we? They're just players which we just want to have in our teams, and we're not moving anywhere away from them at the moment. Yeah. Okay, the other player which is I would say it is a slight risk. I know you listed it earlier that he's not necessarily risk because he's proven to score before. But Perez for Leicester, 6.5, just playing in in behind Vardy. You can see a lot of goals come from him uh, this season. Their fixtures aren't exactly great, are they? Start Wolves at home and then Chelsea away. After that, it's Sheffield United away and Bournemouth at home. I suppose those fixtures are pretty good uh, Game week three and four. But the first two, not necessarily great. What are your thoughts on Perez?
1: Uh, I like Paris. I watched uh, a couple of preseason games with Leicester and the second game in which he scored a goal, I really <laughs> wish he didn't score because I think yeah. he would have been a better kept secret if he if he didn't score. I think he's in the right areas. He started as an out-of-position striker in one of the preseason games along with Vardy. He played out on the right the, second, the, the last preseason game Leicester had and I think just Leicester seems like a great attacking team. And They have both Madison, Tielemans, Perez, Vardy. All of those guys are going to do, uh, create a lot of chances. They're going to score goals. And uh, I like Rodgers' attacking style of play. So I think uh, think they can score a lot of goals. And I don't necessarily think it's a very bad thing for Leicester to have like Wolverhampton at home or Chelsea away because they're quick on the counter and they can score goals uh, on the counter attack. Tielemans is good to... Those through balls toward the end, t- Paris.
0: Yeah, agree with all of the above. A good price, lots of potential, and yeah. yeah, he's at that price point which, if it does go wrong, you can move away. And there are a load of other options yeah. you can choose from.
1: If I were to bet on any player to rise the most this season, I would bet on Paris. I think, I think he could I be a I season agree. keeper.
0: Yeah, I think I agree. Okay, so let's quickly talk about players that we haven't got... KDB was in and out of my team in that Fraser position. I've changed it around with uh, removing Wilson and just having King and just having the one-bomb facet with KDB in my team. I, yeah, he did look good in the charity shield. He got forward a lot. Was getting in those positions which he could cross into the box and cause danger. You can see a lot of assists coming his way. I mean, that you can see him playing against West Ham, getting two assists, three bonus. That's what he always gets. He just... Didn't quite have the final ball in Charity Shield yeah. yesterday, so that's something which I don't know whether that's stopping me or it's just because I, I like my team. It's more flexible without him. Uh, you could see him as a like a cash cow, like you know a, another player which you can move away from if needed or if he's not starting well. But I'm looking at him as someone I might bring in, you know, for Fraser in game week three.
1: Yeah, for me, it's. A- I think, it's at a, I think it's a bit too expensive for the structure, because at this point in time, you will have to start a guy like Dunker, if you're going to beat KDB and Sterling and Salah. So the 11th man will be very weak, and ideally you would want maybe a 4.0 defender to turn up. Maybe Lundström is starting every game. If he is doing that, you can start Lundström and then get KDB, for example. Yeah. But we don't have these bargain options as of yet. And that's why I don't think I can squeeze De Bruyne into my team, even though I really, really want to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, City obviously the best attacking team, so you can understand why we're both looking at him and uh, wanting him in our teams. Obviously, if we could have if we if Agüero was fit, then we'd be looking, wondering whether or not to get him. It's just his price is a bit too expensive. But KDB, I would say, is probably the next best option to Agüero uh, if if Agüero is starting. Um, and yeah. Sterling. So yeah, City. I do think they're gonna kill it this season again I didn't think they were in full flow in the charity shield though there were moments where they're just kind of running into each other and not playing as fluid as they did last towards the end of last season I do think they need to get that back they've got Red, Rodri in midfield he, he played well and whether or not he's going to be a good asset moving forward for those other attackers yeah and De
1: Bruyne went off with a cramp in, uh, oh, it was cramped, in like the right. 18 yeah yeah um, so I think you can can wait a couple of game weeks for him. But I, I'm so interested in Kevin De Bruyne that I won't be doubling up defensively on City. I won't, uh, I'm not going to use all my City spots. Uh, I want to keep one spot open for De Bruyne or maybe someone else down the line. So I see a lot of guys have doubled up with maybe Ederson and Sinchenko or Laporte-Sinchenko or something. Uh, yeah. And I won't do that because I want to keep that Kevin De Bruyne option open.
0: Okay, right. So let's move on to the last question. Alan Duffin from our Slack has asked my question to Iceman. And Stefan is, when you set up your teams for this weekend, what is the biggest risk you feel you are taking in regard to not picking a certain player? So my risk is overlooking Kane and Aubameyang. What's yours? So what is yours, Stefan?
1: I think my risk is, uh, I agree with Kane and Aubameyang, it's a, it's a risk with, to go without them. And it's also a risk to go without Digne, maybe the one that hurts the most, because I know he will be very highly owned. And I would also like Laporte. <laughs> he seems to be always mess things up for me, but you can't uh, let fear decide your your whole team either, so... You can't You can't have them all.
0: That's that's the problem. You yeah. cannot have them and all the forwards, you, you, we're all yeah. setting up our, up our teams here. We all want Kane. We all want Obam but you can't fit him into your team. I think I am more scared of not owning Kane just for that first game week. Yeah, I can see a good brace in that against Aston Villa. It's just that, as you said, he's not been performing to the highest level. Whether or not he can just instantly do it. He he can, we know he can, but you know, whether or not it is going to happen, we don't know. But yeah, it yeah. would be Kane for me. Not not really anyone else. You know, If yeah. I do end up going without Alexander-Arnold, there will be a part of me which will want him. Okay, so let's quickly sum up our teams then. I will go for mine because I'm sure you've forgotten what We're on at the moment. I'm on Pope and McGovern in goal. And in defence, I am on Luca Dean, Robertson, VVD, Zinchenko, Lundström. Midfield, I've got Fraser, Salah, Sterling, Perez, then Donker. Up front, I've got Wilson, King and Wickham. I also have 0.5 in the bank. Whether or not I'm going to use that, not quite sure at the moment. But that is my team at the moment. I do think that I'll probably use that 0.5 come Friday. And what's yours, Stefan?
1: Yeah, I got Heaton McGovern in goal, and I got Coleman, Sinchenko, Trent Alexander Arnold, Robertson, and Lundstrom in defense. Midfield is Sala, Sterling. Harris, Siggy, and then Donker,
0: and up top I have
1: King, Wilson, and Wickham. Very similar, and hopefully that won't change too much (laughs) by Friday. I
0: mean, like it's a caveat. We don't know if we're going to change these. Not necessarily stamped down. Definitely going to go with this, but this is what we've been looking at, and uh, this is what our preseason's got us to at the moment. I think signings is the one thing that
1: couldn't can Change things if there's some big yeah, signs, there are
0: some signs it could change yeah. more,
1: so you have to keep a watch out for that.
0: Okay, right uh, So, as mentioned in the last pod, we've now partnered with Mikkel Tokfam. Apologies, Mikkel, <laughs> uh, no, I'm fully English. Uh, transfer algorithm. I asked Mikkel this week to produce a team for game week one based on the players that are top of his algorithm, and he came up with. Ryan and Gold, Coleman, Robertson, Alexander-Arnold and Walker at the back. And he's got Siggy, De Bruyne, Salah, Barkley in midfield. No, no Sterling there. Wilson and King up top. Very similar to our teams. He's also got Heaton on the bench with Pukki, uh, Dendonka and Lundström. So a lot similar to, uh, to our team there, Stefan, which kind of is, yeah. is nice to see. Yeah, I think so. That's good. He he also put a note, uh, Bournemouth attackers got great stats from last season, which merit their price hikes with good fixtures from the get-go. Clear preference by the manager. As assured strikers, they top the algorithm. So yeah, that's another reason why I've got a lot of Bournemouth in my team. So, well supported there by Mikkel. You're going to have to tell me if I'm saying that wrong, yeah. Mikkel. Um, apologies. If you want to check him out, go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Also, as mentioned, we are partnered with Fancy Football Hub and have been given an exclusive sign up offer code of surgery10. If you go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 10% off and i do recommend it going to the feedback box we've got tom campbell posting for us he's posted recently a lovely shirt i'm really proud of that shirt it's it's nice isn't it Stefan? It's very nice. Uh, so he's put, thoroughly enjoyed the last podcast. Peter and Mika are such astute managers. Nice to have some considered debate and subtly contrary opinions too. He's put, Billy and Isis man. <laughs> I think it means bully. Yeah, spell <laughs> check there, Tom. Uh, Typically great as well. Recommend giving it a listen before finalising your game week one squads. So if you want to go back, you can listen to the last podcast as well, where we go through forwards, midfielders, defenders and keepers, which has finally got me to game week one team uh, we also have sexy thoughts this week so i'm just gonna play it for you now fpl sexy with sexy thoughts this week sexy thoughts and the first sexy thoughts of the new year the new premier league campaign is sport the premier league's back fpl's back the championship's back and we've got the ashes on The amazing battle between Australia and England that every two years takes my complete attention for five days at a time. Well, not every two years, every four years. Sometimes it gets a bit boring in Australia as we seem to win a fair percentage of the test matches. But over in England, geez, what a battle. And the banter, it's great. I love it. The family hates me for five days, but that's damn worth it. So it's all back, all the good times you enjoy <laughs> you. <laughs> See you the good times are back we are looking forward to a new season thank you very much sexy it's nice to have you back um and thank you stefan for wasting your time going through your team <laughs> <laughs> no problem fun going on yeah it was it was a good discussion thank you for coming on so if you want to get a hold of us please check us out at fplsurgery.com and please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash fpl surgery and if you want to join our mini league this year the code is cccjk2 so join with that code. That's CCCJK2. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, Twitter, at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes. And if you would, could be kind to please rate the podcast. And if you want to give me an email at infofplsurgery.com. At Thank you for listening, everyone. Good luck for your game week one. Try and reduce the risk and don't take too many pumps. Up the pod.
1: Up the pod.